0: start during pregnancy. <laughs> start during pregnancy. Yeah, okay. start during pregnancy. I wish that was more talked about. I think we are talked about so much with postpartum, which thankfully I'm grateful for, but there are so many more things that we could be on top of that we could really, like you you, you said that at PTs, we we have so much more patient interaction than if you go to a, your provider during prenatal. You're not seeing them as much as you would see a physical therapist usually, uh, so we have so many more opportunities to take your blood pressure. We have so many more opportunities to talk about how to move without pain and then move to where you are getting cardiovascular and training. Um, we have just so many more opportunities to even set up how to relax those muscles for pelvic floor for for the birth so that we can improve those birth outcomes, improve the birth satisfaction. So starting during pregnancy is what I would say. That is my mantra. The heel always laying on. <laughs>
1: My name is Augustine Colebrook, and I'm the principal at Midwifery Wisdom Collective. I speak on this podcast about big picture, political issues, and the future of our profession.
0: Hey, y'all. I am Jamara, and I'm a midwife. I'm also a birth justice activist. And this season, I am looking forward to sharing stories of Black midwives and the communities they serve. Hello, beloved birth community. I'm Angela Love nurse midwife since 2004, preceptor and mother. I have a home birth practice called Midwife Love and a national telehealth practice called Midwife RX. My mission is to keep birth choices available and to educate the next generation of midwives for our daughters and grandchildren. Matriarchy Now. I'm Layla Wyatt. I get to share with you the voices of student midwives from across the country and beyond. This season, we focus on those students who just graduated, are about to sit for the NARM, or did yesterday, and we get tips and tricks for you for what happens at the end of the student midwife journey.
1: Hi, Doctor Washington. Good to see you. Good as well. We're in person. It's working. <laughs> yes, I
0: was like, oh my goodness, I hope that. I am not missing something, but I'm
1: glad that we made it. We're here. You are such a busy person. Thank you for making time to talk to us here on the Midwood Free Wisdom podcast. So excited to welcome you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Well, so let's start because I think um, some of our viewers love and follow you and you're such a social media influencer. So I'm sure people know about you, but why don't you go ahead and do an introduction? Who are you? Where are you? What do you do? Yeah, my name is Dr.
0: Kamari Washington, also known as Dr. K by most people, I would say, especially through social media platforms. But I am a many different things for my community. I'm here in Detroit, Michigan. Um, I love my city, I love, love, love. And I have a practice in Metro Detroit, so right on the outskirts of Detroit. Um, and I'm a pelvic floor therapist. I'm a pelvic floor therapist. I'm a women's health coach. I'm a birth educator. Um, a workshop facilitator, uh, movement facilitator, a lot of different things within making sure that women's health and maternal health, I would say maternal health advocacy is
1: uh, dear to my heart. That's amazing. And uh, so needed, so needed. Um, how did you get into this? How did I
0: get? So I was in PT school And I was feeling very lost. I I I say this origin story all the time because that's it's really how I came to where I am today. Um, in PT school, I felt just very not connected. Just very like I don't, I didn't want to, I didn't see myself working with athletes. Um, didn't see myself working
1: with peens. Like nothing was really calling to me. I tried to, and that's kind of a common pathway, right? It's exactly. like sports or like occupational therapy or speech, things yeah. that, right? Yep. Yep. So physical therapy, it would be like the more of the
0: like pediatrics or. Right. Geriatrics so what they would say or people who are retirees. Right. Mom. But yeah, it, and none of that was like calling my name or speaking to me. And then I ended up going to, um, I was in Boston at this time when I was a PT school at MGH Institute of Health Professions. I went to a conference, um, black health conference at Harvard that they hold annually. And one of the topics that year was about black maternal health mm-hmm. and staring about the disparities within the maternal health care system and how that affects black families. And I remember just crying in this lecture. I was, it was the first time I had learned about all this. Wow. And I was just so moved and like thinking about me and the black mothers around me. I'm like, that. I, I want to be a mother one day, I think. Yeah. So the lecture at that time had, I was in PT school. And so they introduced me to pelvic floor PT as an option and maybe into birth work. And my drive for school was way different after that. So that's how I went wow. into pelvic floor therapy.
1: Wow. That is a beautiful origin story. Um, so for those that really don't know, and most of our followers are midwives or students. And so I think most of them have a good understanding that some people need Pelvic floor therapy after birth, but actually, it's a lot more than we think about usually. So, so tell us, um, tell us an overview. What is pelvic PT? What do you do every day? Yeah,
0: Ooh, yeah. Pelvic floor PT can be so expansive. It can look like so many different things. I personally am a pelvic floor therapist who only works with those who have a vulva, but everyone has a pelvic floor. So there are kids who may need public floor therapy. There are. Um, people with penises who may need pelvic floor therapy, everyone has one. I choose to work with a certain one, though. And so what that looks like can be, it can be many different things. Um, typically, if people have found their way to, their, to my office, the most common things that there might be coming to me from, for are, they're having leakage when they cough, jump, sneeze. So like that common joke, oh yeah, every time I laugh now, I pee myself, maybe post- Not required, right? We not have time to not that. Yeah, they do not. It may be common. and statistically it is very common for people to have these these dysfunctions i really think if more penis owners had there be an issue there will be upheaval in the work yes yes <laughs> as, as in, in common
1: surgery. yes 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 but, yes um,
0: yes so that would be a common thing prolapse um pain with penetration or any type of is another thing and so in sessions it's really getting people first to understand what's going on because a lot of times they've either been dismissed Or it has been so normalized that they just have been living with it and didn't even know it was an option to get anything different. Um, So that's the first thing. It's like making sure they understand like what's going on and maybe even if we can, why it's happening. Um, But that can look when it comes to how do we work on that. I I think many people are more familiar with what physical therapists in general do. And so knowing we can treat the whole body from the neck all the way down to the feet, we... Incorporate that, into, but now have this specialization of we also know about the pelvic floor muscles. So just like you will work your quads if you had a knee injury, I do that with the pelvic floor muscles. It just looks like sometimes I'm doing internal work, which means that there is a pelvic floor exam. Or it may be that we're working on maybe the core muscles and strengthening those to help the pelvic floor. So it can look like so many different things, but all to optimize the function of those muscles down there.
1: That's amazing. And um, it's really been an ignored field, an ignored part of the body mm-hmm. in the patriarchy. The patriarchy seems to ignore female needs and yep. and people uh, people's uh, needs who have a vulva. And um, it feels like in recent years, fueled a lot by social media, there's been such a heightened awareness of that. You're one of those social media influencers what are, do you do you get pushback do you ever get like negative comments mm, negative comments i would not say
0: negative um sometimes exploratory in the not way that i would like sometimes maybe from people who are not in that um penis owners <laughs> you know yeah but i wouldn't say anything negative necessarily no i haven't it's always usually been like more awesome or more like
1: well, totally more, like, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, okay. yeah. As of now I haven't had the negativity um at this at this level right now. So I
1: think well, it it brings me to kind of the intersectionality that I'm sure you experience every day. This intersectionality of anatomy and physiology. This intersectionality between birth work and sex work. Um, mm-hmm. this this place um of hormone function and and. Oftentimes, shame is associated with the pelvic floor, so there's this full psychosocial dynamic. um, it's quite a profound profession, really, yeah, yeah, um yeah. it it requires so much more like you're working on someone's knee. There's not usually quite as much um say emotional baggage or potential for injury mm-hmm. um on all levels of the being uh this requires real sensitivity and real uh courage and a real um confidence in yourself and your abilities how did how did you develop that? Mm, I I have always been
0: personality wise I've always been a person who is the friend that you call when something's going on um I'm usually the the kind of harmonizer that's one of my strengths I'm a harmony person and so I think with that involves a lot of listening skills Mm -hmm. um I've always excelled with communication skills with like exams or even in PT school that was a section I never worried about and that helps me a lot in pelvic health because you're right it's not just like we'd work on doing the hands-on part sometimes we I might it might be a session where most of it is educating and talking or just listening just wow
1: I can imagine there are quite a few clients who end up crying on your couch. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah or crying on top of you because it just <laughs> uncovered something. Yeah, that's really major. You have, have just the
0: faith to be able to say this is what happened or piece together, especially for for folks who might be holding trauma on, from things that were, we would deem as sexual assault, but they haven't really made that connection just yet those those definitely for sure it's a lot of tears but there's there's patience right there's patience with being able to get them to that point and i like what you said about this um safe not even safety but confidence and courage courage to be able to get space. and so um i really i shout my clients out more than anything with the courage and they, i'm just a vessel that i get to be a part of the healing. Um, but they have the courage to come into my office, and then little by little, to have the courage to tell me the story and work on
1: whatever they came to. Wow. Well, I would say, um, Dr. K, you sound like a midwife. <laughs>
0: you know what? Had I learned about midwifery before I went to PT school, I think I, I really think
1: that's the path I would have took it. I'm, I, I tell. Uh, you. Well, it's not too late. You could do that <laughs> too. You know what? Well, I um. I uh, I really appreciate pelvic PT. You're not the first that I've known or talked to or worked with. Um, mm-hmm. I used to own um, an integrative medical clinic, and we had pelvic PT as one of the yeah. services. We had like eight services um, for people to come avail. And it's um it's such um it's such a crossover, you know, much like midwifery. Like yeah. midwifery has to know this art and the science, and it has to know the medicine and sort of the magic and um this real intellectual heady life-saving safety piece right for you it'd be like you know function and physiology and all that but it also has to understand like the psychology and the relationships that are part of this and like it's a multi-level multi-faceted uh position it's like true holistic care Mm -hmm. yeah you can't you can't just treat the vagina you know you have to treat the whole person right and and so uh pt is one of those places that i think potentially inadvertently is transforming medicine mm. because historically western medicine has been so compartmentalized and so um systemized checklists and what have you um and it it can't work that way you know we aren't car parts you know we have to look at the whole person and so sort of pt even for people that um, maybe didn't even want to uh, uh, because of the nature, the very nature of it being at the core of our being. Mm-hmm. They they are they are having to accept and embrace treating mm-hmm. the whole person um, and the intersectionality of all parts of our being, and that's really exciting to me because it transforms medicine from the inside out. Because P.T.S. are respected. They are not marginalized. They are integrated into the medical system. They are referred to by mainstream providers all the time. Like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but as I understand it, a huge part of the business for most PTs is referrals for mainstream folks who are like, oh, you need this. Isn't that correct? You know, some midwifery where a lot of it is people finding it because they find it in the system. But But you guys mostly can bill insurance and you're mostly integrated into the system, and yet you're speaking that same language of like holistic and integrative and whole person care. And so I'm excited. You're gonna change yeah. the whole system. Like I I pray. I
0: pray. And I think everything you said is so layered, so layered with how we things because, you know, I don't I actually don't think PT is I mean midwifery for short you all are not respected in the way that you should be. Yeah. And PT and when you look at re- insurance reimbursements and you look at the things that it's, it's not it's enough. Been, well it's not it's not okay
1: Okay. When pelvic health PT is added into it, it's even worse. Uh, oh, that's no. depressing. I'm sorry. <laughs> See, I, know, right? I had a perception that it was
0: like fully integrated, but it's not. <laughs> it's not as much as... And I think I am so grateful for this junior that's coming up right now with social yeah. media. Yeah. See, I'm more more about trying to reach the clients because a lot of them come to my office because... Well, thankfully, because of midwives and doulas, for sure. But yeah. then the next piece is usually... Um, uh, social media they either found right. out something they saw on tiktok or on instagram and they're like well I, this looks like something i should come to. i need this yeah exactly this applies uh-huh. to me i need this yeah. yeah yeah exactly so i think that a lot for how we're seeing in the
1: public health world being able to see a lot of different people I'm yeah like, absolutely and and that is something that has always been true of of pts i think it's like the ultimate consumer advocate the ultimate mm-hmm. patient advocate like. Right? You don't have to live with pain. Like, yeah, and he can help you, you know. That, that's important. Wow. and exactly. That's so, so awesome. Well, let's change subjects for a second because most of our audience is midwives and students, and yeah. they're going to be seeing patients in their office um, who are maybe experiencing um things that can be treated by a PT. So let's speak to that audience now. Tell us what are some red flags or even some yellow flags if they saw a client complaining of this or if they didn't examine felt this or like what are the things where you're like you should refer yeah
0: cool thank you wonderful question great question um for sure if you're doing any type of exam within like the inside thigh area um or anywhere around the vulva and people are like clenching or you're noticing their their butt and like their glutes are starting to clench um, maybe they're not expressing, you keep asking them, oh, are you okay? And they say, yes, I'm fine. But you know, this body-wise, they're not fine. Oh, um, that's so so watching that
1: body language. Yes. Okay. Body language. And midwives they generally do, but that alone is a reason for referral, right? Yes. Yeah. Wow. So, so important. important. Okay. Next. Absolutely. Um, uh, one that might be a little, um, not closely
0: connected, I think sometimes, but for sure should be screened is chronic constipation. If someone is constipated, right? Okay. And make the same muscles that allow us to urinate and let flow out from that in, are the similar muscles like in proximity, right? That are going to help us have a great bowel movement or outlet for that. So if you hear that maybe you're doing a check with them and they are constantly straining, they said that, and usually people aren't asking these questions though, but if they have a history of hemorrhoids, um, if they have a history of seeing blood in their stool or they only poop maybe once or twice a week or something like that, there usually is something going on pelvic floor wise that we need to work on prior to them going into birth so that that doesn't become an issue pelvic floor muscle. Right. That's related. not just diet. That's something can, else. Yeah. Yep. And it can okay. be diet related, um, included, but oftentimes there's a lot going on. If they have a history of chronically being constipated, those muscles aren't going to be happy back there.
1: They aren't going to mm-hmm. be happy. So
0: that was yeah.
1: Smart. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Um, another thing I would say is if you notice that they have any type of, well, you just said earlier, nobody has to be in pain. Um, and I think most times midwives and students um, in this, this category are aware, but not all the time, that no pain has to be initiated. So carpal tunnel, um, neck pain, uh, back pain, none of it, the, the lower belly, but none of that has to be normal. None of it, none of it, none of it. So that's wonderful. Would be reason, um, wonderful. For sure. To be,
1: yeah, uh, we should be comfortable in our body.
0: Exactly, exactly. It should be something that's
1: comfortable. Yeah, uh, and and there can be um a recovery time from injury, yeah. stress, or accident, but yeah. we should recover. I think that's right. an important thing. Yeah, um, not so surprising ones, but leakage, any
0: type of leakage, right? <laughs> you know, if they right. have a history of that, something that could be uh definitely worked on well with pelvic floor PT, and then tailbone so if if they complain of or if you add it into your intake asking them about any falls onto their tailbone and they mentioned that yeah i fell when i was younger even in childhood and i remember yes. not being able to sit very well for the next few days afterwards that would be something that affected their pelvic floor and that would be something that we would want to be able to work on, or at least evaluate and assess if there's any lasting um issues affecting yes. pelvic floor muscles
1: yes and um and that is all in like initial screening. Mm-hmm. Now now let's say that they attended a birth uh, yeah. with this client. Um, if it was uh not successful community based birth and they were transferred to the hospital and either gave birth by cesarean or vacuum or forceps or with an epidural or some other kind of hospital intervention, and they come back to care. Almost all of those are reasons to be referred, right? Yeah, If they are pregnant or if they are postpartum, they shouldn't go eat. (laughs) But but a lot of times they won't, right? Um, Or they already have some kind of uh, body worker or something. Uh, So so I have always maintained that instrumental delivery is always a reason to get care afterwards. Because Mm -hmm. if you have a surgical delivery, they have changed the musculature by yeah. virtue of the surgery and if you have an instrumental delivery um those that musculature that ligature has potentially been damaged even without a damage you know like you don't need stitches to be damaged you know right and, yeah and so um that's been always a historical immediate referral for me do you agree with that yeah absolutely i again i i truly believe that everyone postpartum should at least be
0: able to have an assessment with a public floor therapist but for yes. sure, those reasons, if you're having an instrument assisted delivery of any sort, um if you did have a tearing or anything like that, um, even prolonged. So going back to that constipation, right? If you were prolonged pushing, that can be a reason why we want to be more um um more thinking about or looking for any signs of prolapse or any signs yeah. of any other strain in other in other ways. So
1: yeah, yeah, for sure I agree yep. with that. Well, so you said briefly about tearing, and this is a piece I would love to kind of tease apart with you. Um, uh, midwives will repair a first or a second degree tear uh, under their own authority and should. Uh, those, that's a perfectly appropriate thing to repair. Most of us kind of have the understanding or the awareness that a third or a fourth degree tear, which involves the anal sphincter or the bowel um, will have lasting scar tissue and needs evaluation needs treatment. I think most of us understand that. But, but what I'm hearing from you is that any kind of pelvic injury, uh, or repair needs to be a- a assessed and that's even for second degree and first degree. So tell us a little bit about that. What do you find when folks come in after a repair? Yeah. So the thing going back to where we first started
0: thinking of people holistically, all right. Of yeah holistically, everybody has a different way that they manage pain. Um, Everyone has a different way that they manage um, their birth or maybe it was how they experienced birth, right? So sometimes I see people who have a second degree tear that looks really good. Um, I'm glad they're in my office Um, and they're just like really not happy. Like it, things are not feeling good. Like they are super unhappy. And then I've had people who have a third degree had a really good, again, that things look really well. They look good. I'm happy they're in my office. they're fine they're like yeah i got the. they said i have a third degree like i noticed you know some things going on that are different we're working on it but they're not unhappy as this person who may have a sex so thinking about this whole person that can play into how they are experiencing that tear as well it may not just be the physical we have to also go and look at all these are they a single mom who is not able to rest this tear are they um not able to purchase the like pads those like pads that help and be able to work on that healing in that way it, it, there's so many different things to look at as to what makes a difference with how this this scar
1: including is how they feel about the fact that they yeah, tore right exactly yeah. that yep were
0: they educated about the like that they might tear like all those things all right
1: right Is there anything that you feel like midwives could be doing teaching or offering if the client can't be evaluated by a PT? Mm, mm. Midwives, I love midwives.
0: They already do so many things. I think, um, I can't say that their care may look any different, at least with the midwives I've worked with, they've all done such a great job with their care afterwards. Um, You know, usually they have, they have the aftercare part pretty down, letting the patient know what type of things will be helpful for the perineum.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: you know, if anything, maybe working with the pelvic floor PT to just have a, like two or so basic things they can do exercise-wise and not even exercise, more positional. So lying in positions where their hips above their ha- abdomen, that can be mm-hmm. helpful for all moms afterwards. Yeah, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. a bit of that. Um, that those organs that are a little bit lower than they were before helping them right. come more into the abdomen. That could be something midwives could offer to anyone. Cause that's not going to harm anyone. Um, and, but in general, I feel like midwives just do such a great job with aftercare with that. <laughs> They're laying is taken care of pretty, pretty darn well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a obviously much more robust than the mainstream medical pathway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm thinking more like specifically. So one of the things that I learned, I'll share it with you and see if you feel like um, it's appropriate. I'd like that six week visit when we're kind of wrapping up our care and we're, we're sort of giving recommendations into the future because they're kind of launching out of our nest, if you will. One of the things that we offer at that point um, is an exam in order to uh, verify healing, um, check on... Uh, full involutions, cervical location, if we can palpate ovaries or not, um, you know, find out if there is pain so that we can advise around different things. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of our last visit. Some people decline it, of course, um, mm-hmm. but many will accept it partly because it's kind of been kind of accepted as a route in our culture is that that you get an exam at your six weeks, so people kind of respect mm-hmm. that. So we offer it always. And during that exam, um aside from a bimanual exam feeling uh, uterus, um I will also um feel for trigger points, pain points, find out if there's flexibility, if they've gained some tone back in their pelvic floor muscles yeah. um, and if there's if they can't do a, a, a contraction, a kegel around it, um if they if they have pain, yeah, if they're really, really stuck and there's no flexibility, those kinds of things. That'll always be like the conversation starter to be like, so I'm finding these things. Here's where I'd like to refer you. Do you think that's an appropriate step for midwives to do? I absolutely do. Because what you just said ended with was I'm finding these
0: things. I think it would be next step to, the, yeah, I I absolutely think all of that. Just like if I do something that is not within my scope, maybe I find it or like I, I see it, but I'm not going to say it because I know that's not within my scope. So I, I would say, this is what I'm seeing. I would like you to go talk to it. So I absolutely think that is, something that could be used. And I'm glad you you went that direction of what that could look like. And what you said, pain, up feeling for those trigger points, if there is anything that's painful, seeing if that contraction around the finger, and you feel any tone, all those things are super helpful to know or get an idea
1: of what may be happening. Um, at do time. you do you have any alternative language for the, the Kegel name? I can't call it for contraction, I love that. That's usually where I go. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I would really like to erase white men's names on our body parts. I would really love to do that. So yeah, mm-hmm. we've been, we've been calling it a tightening, um, a vaginal tightening, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. pussy squeeze. There's lots of fun words. I'll, I'll put that up. That. <laughs> That's perfect. I yeah. That word too. Yes. But, but, um, a pelvic floor contraction is enough because it's multiple uh, muscles co-create co co-cre- uh, contracting together to, to create mm-hmm. that pelvic floor strength. And, um, and I think that is an essential component of, of that exam. If we offer, you know, if we do it at six weeks, some people will decline again, but if we do that, I feel like that's really essential. And so midwives who are listening, um, uh, it is, uh, an internal exam with your two examining hands of your, of your dominant hand. Um, and the first motion is actually up to the cervix and, and the non-dominant hand feels for the cervical and pelvic uh, location or uterine location so that's that bimanual but then the second part of this would be to fully flip your hand over while inside again guarding against scraping the urethra and being careful in your motions there but flipping over and um, at all of the sort of thresholds so one is with the fingers fully in Press down, and then you come out about half a knuckle at a time, continuing to press down as well as into the sides and the walls of the vagina. Feeling for those tightnesses, trigger points, knots, and of course, their response to pain. And this isn't digging around. It's just slow and steady pressure in all directions um, and asking, eliciting a response. Do you feel this? Does this hurt? Are you feel numb? Does it feel uncomfortable? Um, and getting that feedback from them and and a really healthy normal response is doesn't hurt, feels fine. And and there's no like it feels kind of like like a tension is there, like the muscles, right. not not butter, but it also doesn't feel like really rigid. And that is a really healthy finding. But if you find that that there's no contraction, they can't engage their muscles, or if you find they're kind of jumping off the table in pain. Those are all really, really concerning. And in my experience in my own body and in listening to other people's experience over the years, those don't tend to get better on their own. Yeah. Those tension points, those tension patterns tend to exacerbate. Would you agree? Tell me about this. Yeah. Yeah. Usually it does take some
0: attention um, to it to be able to notice a difference or a shift in how those muscles may feel. So leaving it unaddressed can turn into so now you have we had acute pain now we're in chronic pain and that is oh, the right. world to entrench you so yeah i would definitely say being able to be attentive to it earlier and they're going to be so thankful to you they're yeah. the, the mamas that i get to work with that have been referred from the midwives are so thankful yeah. and so happy that are even the ones that have had a kid before with their ob and like my ob never told me about like coming to a pelvic floor bt because uh, it's not as common for r- referrals from them all the time. But um, there are things that will be that will, but commonly more so from the midwifery um, pro- providers for sure. One last thing that I thought would be something that I was curious about for you. Do you ever notice after worth feeling of positional change being uh, something that you often will refer pelvic floor PTs? And I'm talking about feeling like the bladder is heavier or, or anything. Yeah.
1: Is that yeah. Normal? Yeah, um, absolutely. In that internal bimanual compre- uh, composition where your uh, dominant hand is facing upwards and your non-dominant hand is kind of grasping from the abdomen, um, you know, as you get more skilled at this, and obviously new midwives, this is kind of a challenge because it's a proprioceptor site development mm-hmm. to really understand this, but you can identify uh, uteruses that are, that are retroverted, that are tors, that are torqued, that are tilted. Um and if the the non-pregnant six-week, eight-week postpartum uterus is any of those uh, malpositioned places, this is the time to change it. If we let it stay in that position, it's in that position for the next conception and delivery. And so um, that is another thing I definitely recommend. And if we feel any kind of cystocele, rectocele, bladder, beginning of bladder prolapse, those kinds of things, absolutely. Um, that's definitely more advanced midwifery to be able to palpate all of those uh, variations, but definitely a part of our, our scope and um, I agree with you, very mm. important to refer those beginnings of actual demonstrated damage. Right. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yes those, those... I figure I figure just like the <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to me that to me that's a no brainer. <laughs> but what but, but yeah. yeah, and the other thing I will say is um midwives, we don't always get those calls. At six weeks, we don't. Sometimes it's at three weeks, right? When they're saying, "I see bubble gum hanging out of me," it's like, "Hmm, that's not bubble gum. That's that needs attention, right? That's stage one or whatever." You know, like those beginning of those prolapses, the um, that shifting um as the body is um, you know, recovering postpartum. We you know don't have to wait for six weeks. At least I don't. I refer as soon as we have an issue identified. um but sometimes, you know, we don't, we don't see them till later or we don't, right. um, if there's nothing obvious, if there's nothing hanging out of them, it's really that internal exam yeah. that discovers that. So, so and yeah, I, as soon I, as we I, know, I, refer. See, Augustine,
0: yeah. I want to say, because I think sometimes we can get looped in so that all pelvic Four PT's will do is just internal work. If someone came to me before three weeks and they did have a tear, we don't do internal work. Right. We wait right. to that, that heals, but there are still things, plenty of things. Right that we can do to be able to help if they're having a prolapse or that type of feeling or pain or whatever down there. So that's something that I think is huge because I get that right. all from the providers to like, oh yeah, you know, when they're six weeks to come, like they can come before that, we just not be doing the internal work until that.
1: Definitely, I love that you say that. And I would say just again, as a, a midwife management, uh, business management kind of perspective, The reason that I always prioritize referral as soon as possible is because sometimes it takes them a while to call the place and get in postpartum brain, um, you know, baby world and and all the things that it takes to get out the house. Um, It might take you two or three visits saying this over and over with them to get them to take the action to refer to the next place so that they actually won't even get seen till six or eight weeks. If we don't start talking about it till they leave our care, sometimes they don't take the recommendation seriously, number one, or number two is that then they don't make the call until 12 or 15 weeks and so much more yes. like, yeah. yeah, it's not even quite healing at that point. It's almost like calcification, but that's not quite the word, but like that. I know what you mean. That issue has become more uh, set in stone, <laughs> resistant. Yeah, resistance the right word. Um, and, and, uh, the, the sooner that we can do that, the better. And then, like you said, there are external, um, mm-hmm. uh, processes, but really and also I, there's that trust building that like, um, you... yeah, yeah, yeah. But probably for PTs too, or you
0: have virtual options. I offer virtual options and then right. come coming to your home. There are mobile platforms right. people right. that will come. So you don't have those barriers of getting out the house, but you have virtual options and you have. Um, I just would to come to help. So those are also things that can be helpful.
1: Is there anyone that you ever refer to? Oh my goodness. Who don't I? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, in what regard are we talking And what, what, and anyway, like when you had a client on your, in your desk, at what time do you think, oh, this kind of provider, for, like, do you do that? Tell me about that much for sure. Doula, but always, I know they're not. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. That's a yes. Uh huh
0: always do it. Um, sometimes it's working with like, if I have someone who is having some GI issues related to things, it might be that we go to the GI doc. Um, if we're seeing some things healing wise that needs to be reworked or anything, hopefully not, but it might be sometimes the ob um, midwifery wise, like usually my clients that come to me have already thought about a midwife It might be connected. It's usually peeing on a stick and they call it midwife. <laughs> oh. Yep. They're ready, so oftentimes I don't usually have to make that next referral. Um, but right. I will say connecting them oftentimes, sometimes with birth centers though can be yeah. Um, yep. connecting them with people who might be um naturopaths that they are more curious about alternative medicines and different yeah. Um, yep. gynecologists if we've been working together for a while and things aren't really going in a direction because PT. It's usually conservative treatment before a urogynecologist will take next steps. So we're glad sometimes, sometimes the next step that I'll have to take if we aren't seeing any change that we've been working together for a while. Um Yeah, I'd say those are probably the most more common things that are popping up in my mind right
1: now. Do you ever refer to sex workers because you're working on such intimate yes. issues? <laughs> yeah, well, so tell me about that a little bit because I think that um, it's so unknown, this chain, because it's been so hidden uh, in our culture. Um, so midwives know how they could advise their clients, because a lot of times, I mean, I have to tell you, a good 25% of the clients sitting on my couch will at some point combine, like, isn't fun. Or like, this isn't comfortable. Or like, why is it so painful? And Uh, You know, that is devastating to hear that from someone because um, that's not how it should be. You know, like we have to find an option. I'm not usually the person that's going to help you find that answer. But I know to send you at least just start with PT, right? Because we have to determine if the physiology is working, right? You know, but then I wonder, like, what's your next step? What does that look like for you? Yeah. Yeah. So. I think there are some basic things that I, we can like talk through, but depending
0: on where that client is, especially if there's a lot of partner involvement in the things that they're saying, I'm for sure sex counselors, sex therapists are so can be so helpful, depending always helpful. But I'm also thinking about what are the things that they're talking about. Is it that this is more sounding like a depressive episode right now? And we might need to go to maybe a, a talk therapist that not necessarily has to have sex counseling background. Or is it truly that we're hearing a lot of language around um, just sex in general and the pleasure and the changes with libido and just a lot of different things in that direction? And for sure, sex counseling and sex therapy can be so helpful um, to be able to take that next step outside of the physical, because we can never, if the mental never catches on, the physical will never be
1: fully yeah. left. It will never, it's all integrated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What happens when you encounter uh, trauma, especially um, sexual trauma? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What else? Big question. Yeah, it's a big
0: question. That's a big question. Well, first of all, is how do we get to even unraveling it? Because That can look so many different ways. Um, in my intake, I usually do ask, and I always tell them, you know, every question I ask you with public can be very intimate, especially you are able to say, I don't want to, I don't feel ready to talk about that right now, or I'd rather skip that question. So I'm always yep. practicing with that, first of all. Um, yep. So sometimes when I do get to that question of asking about any type of traumas or anything that they would deem as important as happened to them in that area that I should know about, or that would be important for this, for our care, for your care, um, it, you see the different reactions. Sometimes there are people, they start kind of talking about something. Um, and they're kind of nervous to kind of bring things out. And so with that, you know, I'll definitely, if they want to, I always ask permission, like, is it okay if we talk about that a little bit more? And sometimes they say yes, sometimes they say no, and we see how that goes. But from there, I usually would ask them, have you talked with a therapist about this? Is this something that you've been able to talk to anybody about that was helpful with processing and Mm -hmm. that question was where where that goes, but it's really a step-by-step. There's no cookie cutter as to how. We approach that when it comes to the questioning, when it comes to the physical part of how I'm seeing trauma in someone's body. I'm never someone when, when I've had, had different instances of seeing that someone's reaction as we're doing work, is like, okay, they close their eyes or they say, I'm I'm seeing that they're physically uncomfortable. And they're like, oh no, no, you're fine. Just keep going. Just keep going. I'm, I'm going to get through it. That's not productive. <laughs> yeah. Not, productive yep. that it's not something where i feel comfortable at all or it's going to be helpful for this client to push just keep pushing past that so that's it's- that's the reenactment of the trauma yeah exactly, yep. exactly. Yep. So, yep. So, yep. hands off taking a moment and sometimes it might be that we need to take a few breaths for a second um it might that i have them i position my hands in a way that they feel comfortable um so letting them mark my hands yep um, what else has been helpful? You, usually a lot more um, expressing what I'm doing versus, if, right. which I already do, but even more so. Right. That giving them permission every time to say yes. This is something I really learned from one of my clinical instructors that has carried with me is that when you give someone an option, always giving them the other option. Not just saying, are we mm-hmm. doing this? And they just saying, oh, yes. They have to say yes or no. It's giving them. Are you okay? Would you like to stop? Would you rather we stop? Yes,
1: yes, yes. I love that. Super critical. That's a huge part of the way that I do vaginal exams, always as well. We could Mm -hmm. do this, or we don't have to. You know, always that war, yeah. That other, yes, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you are communicating an implicit bias, and our healthcare system is so patriarchally infused that. People with a vulva oftentimes feel like they must say yes because we live in rape culture, which is a whole nother thing. Well, let, let us let us just translate here um because it is seems really obvious that a a large section of the population, not the majority, but a large enough section to be concerning, are experiencing um a kind of sexual trauma called obstetrical trauma or obstetrical rape. Um, or obstetrical violence. Um, And I wonder if you're getting these folks, are you getting these referrals? Do these people end up in your care where they're like, I said no, but they did it anyway? Yes. And um, some, I would
0: say, going back to what I said earlier, who haven't identified it as such. And so I'm Uh, hearing them say their birth story and to me, some things that they're saying may be like alarming. Yeah, they alarming. Uh-huh. However, uh-huh. I don't always, I don't put yeah. that energy towards yeah. the non-react. Exactly. Not Except, react, uh-huh. Right? Because I don't, I, if they haven't gone in that direction and that's not the direction, I'm going. I just hold it, it with it. Yeah. And, process it was Expense. another exactly.
1: yeah 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 um, that is powerful
0: yeah yeah i definitely have heard some stories or, or especially with cesarean births which is so tricky because sometimes it's like a it's a life or, or death situation happening but things happen so fast and sometimes people feel so, so ill informed or they so something happened that shouldn't have happened um i will say with like breaking of waters for sure i've had clients that was like yeah they broke my water i told them i didn't want that um that was in my papers, and it still happens. so it, it I would say there are some, but because a lot thankfully of my clients do come from midwives,
1: I don't see it as much as I think I was used to when I was in the clinic uh, mm. yeah. that that's a relief and also damn it, right like yeah. this, this is why we're, because we're people, people are birth- living like, in hospitals, they right are. now People are. And unfortunately, the system is set up to ignore. So, yeah. Well, so uh, speaking of ignoring, um, one of the biggest problems in maternal health today, especially in the United States, um, is ignoring mothers, um, especially black and brown mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm certain that when you first heard about maternal health and got inspired, one of the reasons was because of the disparities. Um And I there's no, you know, exact answer. None none of us alone can solve this. Um, but awareness helps, uh, raising the awareness of this challenge helps. Um, do you feel like the women um do you feel like the ratio of three to four times more uh black and brown deaths than compared to their white counterparts in in a, in the perinatal mortality figures, do you feel like that also corresponds that ratio to pelvic floor needs and issues? Mm. Is there a similar, is there a similar injury risk danger there? There is a research that I am really flipping on right now that
0: I, I looked at that was talking about this, but it's so hard to really research a lot of things when it comes to pelvic health, to be honest. But I do remember one thing that stuck with me uh, was talking about hysterectomies. I know we haven't really brought that into the-
1: the, the- Yeah, that's a, that's a whole nother-
0: yeah, the- yeah. Hysterectomies for women who were um, advised them. It was significantly larger for Black women versus those who were not. Uh, so that way we're advising um, hysterectomy. Yeah, hysterectomy. Yep. Wow. For slings, okay. Um, for bladder stains, even though there's much more we can do now. Um, first, before bladder needs to be brought in the conversation, but those who were offered them as an option, more white women were given that as an option versus black women. Um, so okay. that's just really in like what type of treatment they're being offered. Um, okay. There are certain things that I think literature is not all the way there in really um giving more research for us to analyze. How I see it show up in the clinic, I would say, i I think it's hard because I am a black provider. I think a lot of black women gravitate towards me, so I they seek see you out, out. exactly. Yeah. A lot of many things I' I see so many more than normal, so i'm I'm not sure what the whole statistics are. Um, yeah. I think
1: I get a little bit of more than uh, most clinics would. So it's hard for me to say on that. It feels like, um, it's likely the trend continues that, that would be my, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. It's very hard
0: to find a pelvic health provider in general and even harder to find a woman of color provider. So to me, that also speaks to if there's very few providers that even do that, that look like me, there's likely very few people in that,
1: um, population that are getting that type of treatment. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that culturally matched care is missing, which means, means the, the conversation about what they're feeling and how much it is often Mm -hmm. reduced. Yeah. All of those, those challenges. Well, what a blessing that you are serving, uh, where you are, who you are. Um, what, uh, what do you wish, um, what do you wish people knew about your profession? What you do Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to start during pregnancy? During pregnancy.
0: Yeah, occurred okay. during pregnancy. I wish that was more talked about. I think we are talked about so much with postpartum, which thankfully I'm grateful for, but there are so many more things that we could be on top of. That we could really, like you, you, you said, that at PTs, we, we have so much more patient interaction than if you go to a, your provider during prenatal. You're not seeing them as much as you would see a physical therapist usually. Uh, so we have so many more opportunities to take your blood pressure. We have so many more opportunities to talk about how to move without pain and then move to where you are getting cardiovascular and training. Um, we have just so many more opportunities to even set up how to relax those muscles for pelvic floor for for the birth so that we can improve those birth outcomes, improve the birth satisfaction. So starting during pregnancy is what I would say. That is
1: my mantra. The heel always was <laughs> Look, so smart well dr k thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the podcast uh your your voice is so clear and so authoritative it was such a pleasure to learn from you today where can people follow you online yeah you can connect with me at
0: um on instagram usually is where i'm most active at dr so doctor period the letter k washington underscore and then that can connect you to my clinic so you can actually see some of the things that i do with clients in sessions and virtually um, and understand what it may look like to see a public school therapist. Awesome.
1: We will link uh, that below and, uh, really, really great to connect. I hope that we get to meet in person someday. We're going to get you to one of our conferences, come get you to come speak you're great. And, uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited. Have a great day. Bye.